work. I'm Susan Littlefield. It is Labor Day. Of course, markets are closed today, but that doesn't mean you can't talk about what is going on within this trade. Really, how much damage was done from grain export facilities by Hurricane Ida? How much damage compared to the damage from Hurricane Katrina? And really, will the corn and soybean basis levels be affected by the storm damage? We're going to dive deeper into what we get to do normally during the Fontenelle Final Bell. Jeff Peterson joins us. He's with Heartland Farm Partners. And first of all, happy Labor Day. And it's nice to see uh, things starting to slowly uh, get more information coming out, Jeff, when it comes to what's been happening with Hurricane Haya. I had talked to a, a grain buyer who had made the comment to me that, you know, we prepared better after Hurricane Katrina, but still, you cannot prepare that much for a hurricane. So how much damage are you hearing about when it came to these export facilities after she went through? Well, it's interesting to look at, you know, that area down there is so important to our export industry. And there's there's about uh, 10 different facilities scattered all the way from around New Orleans and all the way up uh, as you get up towards Baton Rouge. And, you know, the biggest challenge you had to start off with, it was kind of phases. The first phase was, you know, that whole area lost uh, through their lost power. You know, along with New Orleans, of course, everyone heard about over a million people without power. So initially that shut all the facilities down. In addition to that, this storm came in with a lot of wind, so you had a number of barges and even some ships that got um, physically, you know, pushed up on the bank or when the storm came in and or damaged, and so they've got to contend with that. So you've got power down, you've got challenges, and 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 ultimately wires from some of the um, the electrical transportation lines that through there that went down into the into the Mississippi River. So you've got that to get cleaned out. So the river channel still isn't back open yet, uh, right in and around New Orleans. Um, on top of that, there was some damage done to facilities, you know, export facilities, the export elevators. So you had Cargill at Reserve, probably suffered the most damage. They're unsure when that facility would be back up. You know, is it gonna be a couple months or could it be longer? Um, Cargill's West Wego facility, just a little bit further East from um, where the reserve facility had some damage. We're also hearing that CHS Myrtle Grove also did uh, suffer some damage. And, and the others are in there. ADM has some facilities in there. They were still doing some assessment. Zanoa has a facility in there. They were trying to also do some assessment of damage. So you had a number of those facilities that are damaged. And so we'll have to just continue to see um, how they come back online. What's interesting is, is there is one facility up and running as you go up to the Lewis-Dreyfus facility up at Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Now keep in mind from, from where a lot of these facilities are that I've mentioned to you, that's about another 100 miles upriver. Now they do have power, they, they are running, but you know the, the river is open down to them, but that river area in and around where most of the elevators are where I mentioned is still closed. You know, did you hear of any surge, water surge damage, even farther north? I know they had to back those barges up a good 300 miles. Did you hear any further damage north? Um, no, not really too much. You know, there's there's the problems you run into is, you know, in addition to the barges and some of the ships, you've got problems with some of their navigational beacons, you know, that were out in there. Uh, we definitely know that there was a surge up there. I'm not quite sure how far north it went. It definitely did. Uh, force the Mississippi River to go back up north as opposed to south and that and that's what caused some of the problems with you know causing some of the barges to come loose and and uh, cause some of that uh, damage. So when was the last time there was a storm like this that affected the grain industry like we've seen? 
Well, Hurricane Katrina, you know, that and what's interesting about that is that would have been August 29th of 2005. So actually it made landfall exactly kind of the same time. And so that would have been the last time we had had a, a hurricane come into that area that would have caused damage to the to the grain industry, Susan. Well, having said that, then I'm sure there's people that are comparing those two hurricanes to see which one's been worse. Yeah, there really, there really is. And, and what's interesting about it is Hurricane Katrina, you know, came across the Florida, came across the Gulf. And actually, out in the Gulf, it was setting as a, a Category 5 hurricane. So what you ended up seeing with Katrina is it came with a, a lot more water surge. But as it approached uh, the area, as it approached Louisiana, it actually was downgraded to a Category 3. So it came in with less wind. So overall, the thing we would say is that um, Hurricane Katrina caused more flooding damage, and uh, but Hurricane Ida came in as a Category 4 hurricane with winds, you know, as it made landfall in excess of 150 miles an hour, so it came in with more wind damage. And so we're seeing a different type of damage. What's interesting about that is that uh, back when Hurricane Katrina came in, um, actually, you know, there was there was really only one of the facilities that uh, the, the Myrtle Grove facility was the only one that actually suffered any damage in, in that storm, Susan. So as we look at, at Hurricane Ida, why or how is this affecting the corn and soybean future prices and looking at that damage? Yeah, so initially what happens is that, you know, the market always responds to information and and. Initially, as these reports are coming out, everybody doesn't know in, in the trade, the buyers and sellers, they don't know how long those facilities are going to be down. So immediately what you do is you start seeing some selling. And the reason you start seeing some selling is the fact that they're concerned that, well, will we lose exports? Does our ending stocks all of a sudden automatically increase? And then so you have some of that selling happen. Then the buyers are sitting back going, well, we'll just kind of wait and see what happens here. You know, we're not in a big hurry to buy. No one knows how low it may go. And then what happens is the technical traders, whether that's just the computer systems monitoring the charts or it's individuals that are monitoring the charts, you know, then they start selling and then we hit stops and the market just continues to work its its way lower. So that's, that's really kind of the situation of why it was impacting the future, Susan. Lots of things that we continue to look at on what we've seen within these market trades. It's a special version today of the Fontenelle Final Bell. Of course, it is Labor Day and markets are closed today. We're going to talk a little basis level when we come back. How is the storm damage affecting that? And did the basis see any change when Hurricane Katrina hit? More is coming up from the Nebraska State Fair. Fontenelle Final Bell on the World Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. On this Labor Day, of course, markets are closed today in observance of the holiday, but we do have a special marketing program to bring to you. And that's with Jeff Peterson again. He is with Heartland Farm Partners, and we've been focusing on the differences between not only Hurricane Ida and Hurricane Katrina, but how it's affecting our markets and, and where we move forward. And during the break, Jeff, you were talking a little bit more about Hurricane Katrina and the, the damage extensivity and how it compares to what we're seeing right now. Yeah, because the big thing we're all trying to figure out is that, you know, what what will be the impact, uh, how long will it last on the futures prices, how long could it end up lasting on the basis. So so we go back and look at the Katrina situation, and, and really about nine days after that storm hit, um, actually 
63% of the export facilities were back up and running and they're operating, and to think of it this way, at 63% of capacity, and they continue to ramp up. So it didn't take them that long to get back up and running. And, and I think that's the reason for that was the fact they were probably set up to handle the flooding rains better than, than ultimately the higher winds. So this storm overall caused more damage. As a matter of fact, that uh, the facility at Myrtle Grove that we talked about, that facility did suffer damage with Katrina. That was that facility was offline for about a month. So so overall, they got really back up and going pretty quickly, Susan. So having said that, are you hearing some folks banking on that same type of time frame to get things back up and moving, or are we kind of pushing a little too quick? Yeah, I think it's pushing a little too quick in there. I, th I think we definitely um, are. Uh, right now, there's really no estimation on the times. There's some talking that some of the facilities may get some power back next week, but yet, other than that, no one really uh, is able to, to really give us a good feel of when they'll be back up and running. So we just have to continue to kind of watch the the basis levels and watch the spreads in the market to try to give us a signal of what the market's kind of thinking. All right, you brought up basis levels. Are we going to see both corn and bean basis levels affected at all by the storm damage? Yeah, we really have, and we have already. It's it's interesting. Uh, you know, in, in the western Corn Belt, and especially where we're at out here, we really aren't much impacted by what's going on with, uh, well, we are impacted by what goes on in the river market. It's important to us, but we haven't seen much movement in basis, mainly because there's such strong basis for those old crop bushels yet at this point. But however, over on the river market, we've already seen some pretty good adjustments there. To give you an idea, Cargill Muscatine kind of would be there in the southeast corner of uh, of Iowa on the river. You know, they've already seen their basis for harvest on corn drop down about 20 cents and their soybean basis drop down about 30. And then you go on down to ADM there at Quincy. Now that's a processor right on the river, but you know, their basis, um, as of a couple of days ago, had backed off about 22 cents where it had been prior to where the storm is at. Now they did see an improvement of about 10 cents. So they bounced back up, but we move a little bit further to the west and you get over there at Cargill at the Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and that Cedar Rapids market's a big corn processing market. And we've actually seen the basis level there back off during, during harvest on the corn side about 10 cents and ADM backed off about 13. But here in the West, we really haven't seen too much impact from it yet, Susan. And and I don't think we really will see too much of an impact. Um, kind of the rest of the story on this, so that we need to kind of unpack and understand, is the fact that that, that Gulf, center Gulf area for the export side provides about 60% of the exports for corn and soybeans. And uh, what's happened is you like that Cargill facility that we we're talking about there at Reserve, that makes up about 10% of that golf capacity. So so with having them offline, you know, that's about 6% of the capacity. It doesn't seem like a lot, but the concern will be is that will there be enough capacity to be able to not only get barges unloaded quickly enough to get them sent back upriver, but will there be enough capacity, you know, to, to be able to meet the demands that there has for sales that are already on the books? So what's happening already is the other place you can ship out of would be the Pacific Northwest. And Pacific Northwest, though, doesn't have the capacity. They only ship out about 15% of, of the corn and soybean exports, so they're not nearly as big a, a port as what you've got down at the Gulf. 
And what we're seeing already, though, is that as there's more demand shifting up to the Pacific Northwest, we are seeing some strength in bids actually happening here through Nebraska and the Western Corn Belt because you've got buyers that are saying, you know what, we got bushels that we need to send up to the Pacific Northwest and we don't have them purchased yet. So we're actually seeing some strengthening. Our only concern that happens, though, is that as we go along would be if for some reason we get maxed out on capacity at the Pacific Northwest and also at the Gulf, and then at that point in time, then we'd start to see the basis weaken. So in the short term, it could be good for us in the West. In the longer term, we got to watch really close and be on top of any basis that we need to get set, Susan. Lots of things that we looked at today when it came to Hurricane Ida, and I think more than folks thought the effects it would have up here in the upper Midwest. If somebody wants to talk more about that, Jeff, or maybe get ready for this fall harvest, what's the best way for them to reach you? Yeah, give me a call at 402-366-4694. Check us out on the web at heartlandfarmpartners.com or follow me on Twitter at JeffPeterson01. And that's the Fontenelle Final Bell. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options involve substantial risk of loss are not suitable for all investors. The Fontenelle Final Bell, Rural Radio Network.